God reveals himself to us a little more through his spirit when Paul penned Romans 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Good morning, church. Open your Bibles, please, if you will, and especially today, because we're not going to be using any of the screens up front. Open your Bibles, if you will, to John chapter 6. There's a reason why we're not going to be using the screens, because um, I called an audible about um, 30 minutes ago when I um, saw how thin the parking lot was and how few of our uh, Together Moms were here this morning, and, and uh, saw our young families and their classes and stuff, and so... Uh, uh, I'm going to be teaching a, a lesson that I did for our chapel uh, last Sunday night because I really want our families to be able to hear the, the last part of the um, uh, Home Depot series. So I'd like for you to read this text with me and then uh, bow with me in prayer. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life, verse 35. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you don't believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Let's pray. Father, uh, to a people who are accustomed to rejection, who are accustomed to um, being turned away for sometimes it seems like even the smallest of reasons, um, it's easy for us to develop an idea that we're unacceptable. Even though that we, we talk about a cross and even though we sing about a cross and even though as we just shared in this meal to remember what your son offers us as a gift through the cross, um, there's still so much of us that finds your grace and your mercy as comprehensible as reasonable for us. Um, and to think that your son can use all of us is, is hard for us to grasp. But I ask through the power of your spirit that you will do the impossible this morning, that you truly will help us to leave here believing um, that not just the best parts of us, but the worst your son can use for your glory. And that that actually brings you joy. May it bring us joy together. And Father, I lift up um, our brothers over at Riverside uh, who are also breaking bread this morning and preaching from your word and singing praises. Would you please help continue uh, healing uh, any of those wounds that still remain uh, from years ago? Healing relationships, Father, that would keep us from being the kind of family that would make you proud. Thank you for all the ways in which you are knitting believers in this community together in their hearts. We give you all the praise, all the glory in the church said. I'm going to start with a couple of questions. First of all, how many of you here have a Facebook account? Raise your hand high. Okay, hands down. How many of you here will never have any Facebook account? <laughs> oh, I understand where you're coming from. It amazes me the number of things that exist right now that um, anyone 30 years and old just take for granted. Some things that never existed before I was 30 years old. Uh, the personal computer, 
uh, the internet as we know it today, the smartphone, transformers, none of those, I know it's hard to believe, ever existed uh, up until the last couple of years, the last 20, 25 years. But maybe right up there with all of them is the media giant Facebook. Hands down, it is the top-rated social media hotline of the entire world. And every day, millions of people spend a significant part of their lives browsing on it. Now, I personally don't indulge in Facebook very often unless somebody's tagged me in a photo and it comes across my email. Does your email do that? It lets me know when someone, some activities happen, and especially when a, a picture or something I've been tagged in. Well, the other day, someone posted a picture of me when I was in high school. And I wanted to jump to the screen and just obliterate it. Now, some of you have seen this preacher without his beard, and it was not a pretty sight. Um, <laughs> amen. Um, it wasn't. Tie a stake around my neck so the dog would play with me in high school, okay? It was terrible. I'm not just trying to be humble. I'm telling you, it was humiliating to go back and see what I, I looked like back then. It still is hard for me. Back to Facebook. For those of you who don't know, Facebook is this really unique place where you can be intentionally selective about the person that you portray to the world. It's a place where you can be pathologically attractive and happy and funny and enjoy everything there is in this world to the level of a highlight reel. And I was so bummed about the picture when I saw I'd been tagged in it <laughs> that I started ruminating on all kinds of stuff. And this is going to get a little bit weird, but, but what if? What if there was this alternate social media environment where there were these alternate social media profiles made up of only the bad pictures of us? I mean, all of them, the ones that where your, your rear end is too large or you've got the mustard on your cheek and nobody told you about it or the, or the one that had all the social profiles that read depressing things like, I spent all last night watching Fantasy Island reruns or I just manipulated my wife and she doesn't know it or fill in the blank with maybe one of the ugly things you did yesterday or thought. I guarantee you Facebook thumbs up would increase 10% if there was an alternate social media like that. Because for some reason, just walk by the grocery stands and see the magazines that we buy that's filled with nothing but the dirt and the underbelly of America. Two years ago, this week, I performed maybe the most glamorous wedding of my entire life. It definitely was worthy of the highlight reel. It was at the Great Creek Winery in Fredericksburg, Texas. The only reason I was invited to do the wedding was because Randy Frazee had been originally offered the invitation to perform it, and because of his busy schedule, um, I got the crumbs that fell from the Frazee table. And I am telling you, it was to the nines. Tablecloths were linen. The setting was absolutely pristine, almost fairy tale like The Las Vegas-style show, stunning. Three acts, literally, with costume changes. I'd never seen anything like that. Filet mignon and lobster on the same menu. And open bar that people were frequenting quite often. 
It was Disney World amazing. And Gail and I had a great time. We really did. But thinking back to that wedding day, in light of this message, I wondered, given the fact that we live in such a fallen world, maybe dressing up for weddings and looking our very best isn't the right approach. It might make more theological sense, as a matter of fact, if we rolled out of bed on our wedding day and showed up as is, sleep still in our eyes, sporting a serious case of halitosis, and wearing that T-shirt with the rip in the sleeve that we have from college. I think in some ways that makes a lot more theological sense than maybe what weddings are when we're a part of them today. Because in the end, as much as I would love it, if a highlight reel of our shiniest and most spiffed up moments is what defined me really, great. But they're not. They're just not. Now, don't get me wrong, moments like weddings and college graduations and, and baptisms at the building, I think those are wonderful. I think we need to celebrate those. I think they're huge in our lives. But if we choose to think that from God's perspective, those other moments in our lives, the ones filled with failure and filled with need, aren't usable by God, we don't know this God of Scripture. We just don't. In this reading of the gospel today, Jesus says that the will of the Father is that nothing be lost and given into his hands, but will be raised up on the last day. Now that begs a question to me, what exactly has been given to the Son? I'm pretty sure God didn't cherry pick my Facebook worthy things of my life to hand to his boy. No way. It had to be the whole package. I don't think the Father handed him just the highlight reel of my brightest and shiniest, most spiffed up moments. No, I'm almost for sure it includes the uncut footage that I really would like no one to see. But so many of us were raised in a church, weren't we? Where we were given the message, God's really only interested in the loving and saving of our best selves. The selves that, that have consciences that are, that are totally clean, almost squeaky clean like our white Sunday school shoes we used to wear, remember? I had a pair of those. The selves that, that, that only have the good stuff, the great stuff, the, the highlight reel stuff that he could use for his glory. Not the times that we act small or act self-interested or angry or conceited. That's just the proverbial stuff you sweep under the carpet before company comes. Last Sunday when I uh, delivered the message, even in the midst of it, I could tell, man, I'm just not, I'm just, it's just not working. There's a rhythm that, that a minister can get into. You're in it today with me. You're there. You're listening. I'm, I'm able to share what I want to share, and, and you're listening, and it, and it feels like we've got something going on. Last Sunday just didn't. It wasn't your fault. It was mine. I, I wished, I wished that, that last Sunday I could have been pulled off the mound. All right, after the second inning, all right? Because I felt like I had that kind of stuff. I know when it's going on and when it's not. But you know what my scripture says? What the Bible says is God uses all of our pitches, the strikes, the balls, and even the wild pitches. Some way, somehow, God can use so much more of us than we ever want to make available on a, on a by-choice basis. 
And I hope we change that with a little bit of this message today. Because if you haven't noticed, Jesus is just the strangest combination of the most wastefully generous and the most creatively frugal person that you'll ever meet. Here's an example. (laughs) He'll accept anybody. Anybody. The guy loves sinners. And he will offer his forgiveness and mercy to basically any of them. I took a transient couple over to the Salvation Army about two weeks ago. And some of you have never been there. Maybe most of you have never been in there. But it's, it's, not, it's not the easiest of places to go. Uh, there's going to be folks in there that most of you would feel very uncomfortable around, um, having things in their face or on their arms, a um, little smoke in the air. And the thought hit me. Jesus would feel very comfortable here. And the people... In this room, I went on the guy's side. They would feel very, very comfortable with him. And he wouldn't be stingy with grace and forgiveness and time like I would be. No, as a matter of fact, Jesus would be throwing blessings around and throwing his time around like it grew on trees, not being stingy with it like I am. I don't know about you, but I love a Savior like that. I do. In church, I'd love nothing more than to cut the raw footage out of my life down to just the highlight reel of all those wonderful moments where I managed to be my best, at least for a second. All those moments when I was my most gigantic self. But in the editing room of my life, where I'm trying to cut out the footage of the stuff where um, I thought only of myself today, or I yelled at, at Gail today, or maybe I lied about something just, just a little, little lie. Or I, or I listened to a voice that wasn't God's voice. As those bits of film start falling to the floor, I want to hide them. I don't just want to throw them away. I want to hide them. And God says, I could, I could use that if you'd let me. Tony Evans writes, we have a soul food God who makes spiritual oxtail soup and chitlins out of the stuff we'd like to throw out. I love that. Life is hard. And have you not noticed? And so there's going to be times when you're not going to manage to be your most gigantic stuff, when you're not going to get spiffy, when you're not going to get highlight real material coming out of your mouth and out of your actions. And it doesn't mean something's wrong. Nothing's wrong because Jesus came to redeem our Facebook status updates that make that alternate dimension where all the photos are deleted and all the thoughts are deleted and all the actions are hidden from the rest of humanity. Jesus came to save sinners and nothing will be lost, Jesus said. This is exactly what he said. Jesus said, this is the will of him who sent me. I should lose nothing of all that he's given me but raise it up on the last day. Now, I don't know how you hear that. To me, that meant the good, the bad, and the ugly is all used for the purpose of redeeming not just me, but other people. Other people. In a way that only God can do. I can personally testify to this. That little problem with my marriage back in Ruidoso, my troubled childhood, 
my history of insecurity and the comparison and competitiveness that seems to come with it, all that stuff has come in much more handy in my ministry than the fact that I received an A in Greek class back in seminary. I promise you. I don't know why we have a God with such bad taste, but we do. He uses even the worst parts of us for the glory of His name or why some God will grant us unbelievable love and unbelievable mercy and unbelievable joy. I don't know why He would do that, but we have a God that's just like Him. We may wish to create a version of ourselves that we feel is worthy to be shared with other people, but God says, sure, I'll take some of those moments when you looked pretty good and you spiffed up all right. But those moments you've got right there behind your back, Chad, I'd like those, if you don't mind. My professor, Tony Ash, said back when I was a student at the University of Texas, we may be either or people, but we're being loved by a both and God, whom nothing will be lost and everything redeemed. So, Here's what that means. The same God who was there when you took your first breath is the same God who watched over you when you skinned your knees, is the same God whom you felt was absent during your hormonal rage of your teenage years, is the same God whose name you have called on for help countless of times, is the same God whom you have named and claimed as the Lord of your life. That God is going to be present when you take your last breath. Elsita lost her dad this week. We might have seen her last night. She needs our prayers this week as she tries to begin to figure out life without a dad. But she can know that, um, that her father is with Jesus Christ, not because he cleaned himself up well enough to make it, but because we serve a Lord and a Christ who, who takes the uncut footage and says, I can use that if you'll give it to me. Nothing is lost. Nothing is wasted. The good is so good and the bad is so useful that only Jesus can be called Savior. We're going to sing a song called Redeemed, and I know that that's a word that um, we throw a lot around circles like this and places like this, but oh my goodness. If you have even an inkling of what it means to have something in your life redeemed, set right again, made useful again, would you sing that like you mean it? Somebody sitting next to you might not be convinced of it yet, but they'd like to be. Let's stay in church. Let's praise it.